this podcast ed butro from optum talks about design thinking and how could leaders build organizations around design thinking so stay tuned welcome to another episode of future of data podcast today we uh, today we have with us ed butro from uh, optum and a, a, a short bio so ed uh, is vp of fusion uh, an enterprise accelerator for optum optum's mission is to help people live healthier lives and to help make the health system work better for everyone putro has founded and has been a part of several startups in boston as well as intuit innovation lab he specializes in convergence of human centered design business strategy rapid development to optimize experience and business outcomes so thank you so much ed uh, for for uh, agreeing to join our our community and sharing your thoughts with our with us happy to be here thank you beautiful so uh, why don't we start with your journey like what brought up what brought you to this um, this this side of uh, design thinking um, innovators and if you can just walk us through through your evolution as as to your current role. Yeah, I'd love to. So, uh part of Boston Startups, uh the first startup we sold for a, for a half a billion dollars and uh subsequent startups after that. So, uh for, first one was Direct Hit, the second one was uh Exit 41. And that's really where I started to develop patterns around uh the concept around design thinking and uh you know in a startup you need to go super fast you need to make sure that uh you have uh the right ideas as you move along and right experiments that you're you're creating and then unless you're doing you know design thinking and in leveraging frameworks um you might be pivoting more than you want to so so after uh startups joined uh Intuit Innovation Labs and and learned uh, a tremendous amount there bringing you know new products to market and and leveraging tools like the jobs to be done which is an incredible framework and uh you know then founded a startup uh in the local area with uh with um a co-founder uh Snapapp and uh that we leveraged tools and techniques of of design thinking product strategy agile development and then uh you know really joined Optum with uh a mission in mind of of how do we make the healthcare system much much better so combining all of those tools from a a startup perspective and and now run fusion which is an accelerator uh in the enterprise in which we're doing you know leveraging design thinking tools but uh also thinking about you know market strategies and and really what's the market um problems we're solving and then how do we accelerate development so it's the the culmination of all those startups but also the tools that are built you know over the years but uh, have had a massive impact uh in Optum and it's it's a great company. Interesting. Um so before we we uh, uh talk about your background and your journey and and sort of specifics into um design thinking let's let, so let's talk about what what is Optum. Uh, if you can shed some light uh, to our audience what do Optum so that will be helpful. Sure. Optum is uh, a Fortune 6 company. and uh, there's uh, over 200,000 employees um over 200 billion in in revenue um but the most important part of that is it's everything in in healthcare so from you know healthcare uh services to healthcare products and uh, really the full spectrum of of healthcare and uh it couldn't be more meaningful to you know know coming to work every day that we're going to impact you know someone's life whether it be a, a provider um a doctor a patient um so optum itself is uh the product and services side of united healthcare group mm. um so there's united healthcare uh under uh united healthcare group and also optum we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website first friday fair .tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast interesting um thank you so much for shedding light light on that so, so tell me this i think so fortune sex right so ginormous company that means very thick culture bounds that means very specific roles what to do what not to do very regulated industry being in health 
So how do you manage to innovate in such a tight ship or such a at least moderated and such a cultural thick ship? Uh, if you can shed some light, some of your some of your your thoughts on 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 that. Sure, I, I've always believed, even a small company or a large company, innovators have a, a specific mindset, mm -hmm. and uh, it's really around um, experimenting. Um, it's about going fast. It's about learning, and uh, I think large or small, you know, uh, if you bring that mindset, you're going to create value uh, in a company. Even though you know healthcare is a, a, a as you mentioned, a, a very regulated space. There is still pockets uh, of of opportunity for for innovation. We all we all know that. But again, if you bring the innovators' mindset, I believe you can mm -hmm. change anything, large company or small company. That's I think uh, well put. Um, so let's let's talk about let's talk about your current role. Uh, so what what's your role in in in, in Optum? Sure, absolutely. So I've uh, I've built a concept called Fusion, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, with with large companies, um, you uh, you have a lot of challenges. Uh, so one of the challenges I've found in 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 larger companies, and not only Optum itself, is that um, there are silos. So it could be mm -hmm. you know you have a a development silo, a design thinking silo, you know, a business over there, and development over you know over here and uh, really found the opportunity to fuse things together. And that's really where the brand came from is, is fusion. And what we do is we um, you know, leverage design, not only design thinking concepts, but uh, things like Google Sprint methodologies. Um, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll hold fusion sessions and uh, get diverse groups together. So it could be business partners, development partners, architects, um, whatever we're solving for. And we put that in the forefront, but we ha hold fusion sessions in which we're, you know, running through different things like personas, who are we solving for, journey maps, the, the classics of human-centered design. But then what pains uh, is someone going through in their journey? And then how can we actually solve for those? Um, and we create what we call integrated solutions. So by the end of a, a fusion session itself, We'll know who we're solving for, you know, what specific moments in time uh, that, that we're addressing, what potential solutions there are. And then within a week or so, we can have a, a digital prototype, a paper prototype, a clickable prototype. So for us, it's about identifying those moments of need and going super fast to then experiment and prove uh, that you can have an impact. Interesting, interesting. So design thinking, I think that's that's fascinating word, and and obviously it's a, we have we have started hearing about that word from many of the conversations nowadays. So that means it's it's finding its way into the corporate culture, and people are sort of thinking about it. So what exactly is that? Uh, if you can shed some light to our audience. Absolutely. So design thinking, in my mind, is uh, really having empathy uh, for I call it who, whom you serve. So you know, in the case of healthcare, it could be a patient or a provider, um, and really thinking about um, doing ethnographic research. And re really where it comes into play is identifying the persona, doing ethnographic research, you're finding the true need. A, a great example that, uh, you know, here in, in Optum, one of my first uh, design thinking projects was um, weight loss. And how do we actually uh, impact uh, someone who is faced with that challenge. So when we did ethnographic research, we learned a tremendous amount. So we went into people's homes and uh, just had open conversations with them, you know, checked out their home environment, um, really asked them open-ended questions, looked in their fridge, you know, what their lifestyle was like. But we learned a tremendous amount. Um, one of the things that we learned in doing that is uh, people hate their scale. Um, and it actually has nothing to do in a way with weight loss. What we discovered is people want, you know, want a coach. Um, so that level of design thinking uh, led us to let's do the right research. Let's synthesize. Let's understand really where someone's pains are and then leading to a solution. So what we ended up coming up with is a, uh, a coaching uh, solution in which they could experiment with different things. They could experiment with food. They could experiment with uh, exercise, but we made that their choice. So 
you know, I think a, a classic product approach might be, let's just send someone a scale and measure their, their, <laughs> their weight. When, that would have been the worst thing we could have done. So to me, design thinking is, is really about discovery, um, understanding the true need, and then coming up with solutions and testing them super fast to make sure that you're on, on the right track. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. That's that's fascinating, by the way. So let's let's talk about so let's um, uh, talk about weight uh, weight loss, right? So we are given a task to research on the weight loss and the experience and so. How do you start uh, from a design thinking? So what what are some of the thoughts that that will come to you? Um, uh, if you can walk us through the life cycle of design thinking um, when, when developing something like say weight loss program. Sure, definitely. Yeah, so something like that design thinking classically starts with um, market research. So, you know, in terms of what different tools and technologies and companies, you know, are, are out there. So from a market research perspective, um, but you're also looking at, you know, different dimensions of uh, market research. It could be, you know, the psychology of, of weight loss, you know, weight loss, um, you know, approaches. And what you're really trying to do is just identify different patterns of thinking more than anything to, you know, bring out different ideas. And then, you know, you move from market research to, you know, uh, consumer research or ethnographic research. Um, and there's different methods of, of research that you can employ, whether it be a survey, whether it be in-home, whether it be, you know, people on the street type of thing to start to hone in on what are we solving for here? And then you move from kind of that initial synthesis to, getting an idea of, of what you're solving for. And that's a, a huge step in uh, design thinking is honing in on what I call a design statement or design principles. Um, so an example of that is, you know, we're creating a platform to enable, you know, consumers to, um, you know, help with their overall um, health and well-being. And if you notice there, I didn't say anything about weight loss because mm. that presumes that that's a path that you're going to go down when you should have kind of that, that learner's mindset of we don't know the solution yet. And I find that to be potentially one of the hardest things for people to do because I'm sure we're all in that, hey, what's the solution? What's the product? What's the offering? Because that's what we're paid for in a way is to have answers. And I think within design thinking, that's probably one of the most uh, important parts is not having the answer in mind. And having that learner's mindset. So as you go through mm. different stages of market research, ethnographic research, you start to synthesize, and that's a key part um, in design thinking, synthesize around what you've learned and also come up with uh, different concepts that, that may apply. And again, not solutions, almost at a conceptual level, what would solve um, this particular area that we're solving for. But then break into what I call different experiments. And experiments range from, hey, let's do idea sorting or card sorting. You may even have um, people back in to mm. actually do different sorting. So you can actually start to get into the minds of, of people. And that's a, a, key, a key aspect of design thinking is always checking with you know, whom you're, you're serving. And then once you go through that kind of ideation level or concept testing, um, and again, it's at, at a very conceptual level. Then you can start to formulate what of these different experiments can we combine to actually head towards a solution in which we can actually rapidly test as well. And this is the exact pattern we we went down with the the weight loss solution that uh, you know that we had. So we what we did is we came up with uh, eight to ten different concepts based on. Um, you know, the learning that we had. And then we had consumers back in. We had them card sorting, idea sorting. We actually put together, um, uh, I, th I think at the time, eight different concepts. And we had them test. Uh, we tested that with consumers as well. And this was all done. We had a team behind a, um, a, a one-way mirror. Mm. And then really understanding what consumers were saying to us, what they thought about things, 
And that really led us to, you know, honing in on two or three different concepts that we could test with them, having them back and understanding. So each time we call these experiments, but the experiment was um, lightweight. It was super cheap. Uh, and we mm. were getting tremendous feedback all along the way. And then once we had that feedback, we then could go into uh, developing a, a minimal viable product in which we could have consumers back to test as well. So it's getting that constant market feedback. And those are really the, the, the four stages, research, synthesis, experimentation, and then concept testing. This is, this is pretty cool. I think, um, so one of the conversation I had with one of the, one of the exec- executive, I think a couple, um, couple of months back, and this is this is about um, so it's it's a very entrepreneurial journey, right? So each design thinking project is like a, a very tiny startup uh, conceptually, and sort of it just it just goes from there. And and we had this conversation with this executive, and he and he was adamant on the fact that hey, you know what, you can't have so startup is like a jungle gym, like pretty random. You're not uh, a certain, and and obviously it 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 um, sort of impact the pace of, of how, if, if you're delivering or if you're sort of uh, working on the scale, this puts you back and say, hey, can you uh, just go on as, as, as an entrepreneurial discovery journey? So with that, and in most of the, most of the big enterprise are, are on, on, this, on this mindset of, hey, scale and, and basically uh, doing it more faster and, 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 and responding it quicker. So what do you think, um, how does design thinking play a role in in that in that uh, in that sort of business strategy? So if suppose you are an executive and and saying okay no I all I want is like we have done this legacy product development roadmaps for for eons now and now like going going in a very very entrepreneurial journey for for some of the products it might be nuances to scale and whatever. What are some of your thoughts to to those executives if you can share share your, your perspective? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Definitely. So one of the, it's interesting because we held a a recent fusion session and it was a a two-day session in which we did a, a lot of design thinking and we asked the question, uh, how did this uh, impact your timeline? Can you quantify for us how much time this accelerated you? Mm-hmm. And the answer was you accelerated us by a year um, wow. in two days. Wow. And the reason for that is that focusing on the right problem for the right people and then testing that rapidly and or putting that roadmap together around, you know, now that you've done this design thinking around who you're solving for, why you're solving uh, the particular problems you're actually looking to solve for, what is the impact on the current state journey, and how does that build to a, a, a roadmap, um, in all of that in two days. So the, what, what we've found with, uh, in, this is outside of my company and uh, inside, is that uh, by having a distributed team, uh, it's hard to play that telephone game of, mm. hey, what are the problems we solve? What are the problems we're solving for? How does that fit in the roadmap? So you can imagine time expanding there, each conversation you have around an organization. But it, if you can get folks in a room to hold a design session, design thinking session, it really accelerates a team. So even if uh, it's interesting because my one of my startups, I was... Uh, I founded, uh, we were able to accelerate by getting a small team together of 10 people in the startup, um, doing design thinking session, and then having concepts uh, that we could then test in the marketplace, you know, after, after that week. Um, so it really accelerates wow. not only startups, it accelerates enterprises as, as well. That's pretty cool. And, and thank you so much for, um, uh, for sharing your thoughts there. So let's, let's talk about uh, an ex- uh some other executive in some other company who's stuck with this thick culture of, you know, we are a product team, we cannot, we, there's no time to innovate or something, right? So we have yep. seen like numerous memes about uh, yeah. about how businesses sort of resist change and, and all they want is change to, to succeed anyways. So what are some of your um, thoughts to those executives uh, in, in those ranks trying to push this idea of, hey, 
have some design thinking attributes in your in your business strategy so what are some of the things that they could do that you could suggest yeah i'd actually say uh, don't you know don't limit yourself or, or ourselves to just the term design thinking because when i think of design thinking or product strategy or business strategy that's really where i think fusion has had an impact because we we pull elements in from design thinking but we'll leverage frameworks and tools like the 10 types of innovation so and we've done this with executives in in this company and i've done it outside in startups so a great example would be the 10 types of innovation the theory behind that that process that book is that if you have two or more uh, one of the 10 innovations you'll likely have a successful um, product or strategy and the concept behind it is fundamentally that they have uh, really three areas that you focus on one is experience so that to me is really design thinking and thinking about the experiences you're creating. Another area is platform. And to me, that's product or platform. And then the other is model. So those are really the three key areas of the 10 types of innovation. But if you run any company that's been successful you know, uh, through the 10 types of innovation, Uber is a great example that uh, they've actually created a tr tremendously different experience for all of us through their application. Um, their platform uh, is is their ability to leverage demand and supply side capability for not only folks who want to ride, but folks who can actually who have capacity to deliver, you know, a ride. And their model is much different than you know that of of um, taxi companies, much of which we know. But again, if you run any company through the ten types of innovation, Uber, Amazon, you can actually start to see that pattern of um, innovation. So, you know, for those executives in, you know, larger corporations, leveraging something like that, while not classic design thinking, is strategy thinking, leveraging uh, tools and techniques or frameworks. And that's how I think about design thinking. That's how I think about product strategy. And then, you know, if you think about the other side of, you know, when, when I call fusion, fusion, the other side of that is how do you get things to market? And that's really through, you know, agile methodologies. But um, what I've seen in the past is that uh, agile teams are, are fired up and mm -hmm. they don't necessarily understand or have the strategy. But if you bring them through things like the 10 types of innovation with developers in the room and also design thinking methodologies, all of a sudden you have a highly focused, motivated agile team that understands your full strategy and can drive that to market. Interesting. And I think one thing that I, I love about, uh, and, and definitely I want your perspective on is, um, so you expanded the concept of design thinking, right? So you said, okay, now we should think of it from, from, a, from a broader horizon of begin product strategy and business strategy into that. So my, my question to you is, number one, what made you sort of expand into that? Like what was the business problems that said, hey, you know, maybe we have to think it from a bigger picture. And then, and then, how do you end up doing it? Like, what are your secrets, uh, sort of secret to success in executing and being able to expand it into into these three broad verticals? Definitely. So, I think one of the primary motivators there was that I saw silos in a company. So, whether it be the agile team sitting there going, "I'm not quite sure what our what we're building, what the strategy is," um, and then the UX UI team, you know, saying, I'm not sure what our strategy is. And then the business partners going, I know what my strategy is. Like, I just want you to build a thing <laughs> and the thing mm. needs to do this. So kind of seeing those gaps, uh, not only in past startups that have been in, but also large enterprises saying, we really need to understand and fuse people together and, you know, have the, the development folks with the business folks so that they understand that strategy having the UX UI folks, the design team, you know, with, with business, business folks. So it's really seeing those gaps and those silos said to me, wow. And not only that, we can offer business folks the capability around, Hey, you know, let's do research around the, the market and understand that thing that you want built. Where is the, the, I call it the market product fit because I always start with the market first and then understand how a potential solution then fits what you're looking to achieve. So seeing those gaps, it really inspired me to say, hey, let's start with a business, uh, what problem we're solving. Let's bring in design, design folks, design thinking folks to understand 
whom we're solving it for, what specific pains are they kind of going through, what's their journey, and then how does that build to an end-to-end -end solution that then we can drive to the development. But by having all of those folks in a room, the strategy becomes super clear, who we're solving for is clear, what we're building is clear, and that's really why uh, it creates acceleration because when you have an aligned, fully you know, capable team, that's what creates speed. Interesting. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, um, what are some of the some of the design? So, what are some of the design thinking concept that that you use? If you can just list uh, some of your favorites, or if, if they are something like that, so that that will be helpful. Absolutely. So, you know, some of them are uh, making sure you build a a persona, um, and you know, creating empathy around that persona, what pains are they experiencing, whether it be for us, it could be a provider, a doctor, a, a nurse practitioner that's going out and doing home visits, you know, understanding that that person, the persona, um, making sure that you do um, ethnographic interviews with mm. either, you know, if it's a nurse practitioner talking to a multitude of, you know, those folks. And, you know, another kind of pattern that we use is, is synthesis and whether that be, you know, that information that you understood from from the interview, how are you synthesizing that? What are the key takeaways? What's, what's your understanding of, you know, the pains, um, you know, where the opportunities uh, might lie? So once you do the persona, uh, um, you know, per leverage the personas themselves, then you could do something like build a journey map. So what's the journey of a, a nurse practitioner, you know, the moment they're, they're in their home ready to leave for that home visit what is that you know what does that look like and then once they go to a, a, a patient's home you know what what does that interaction look like so you're building the journey map itself um, and that journey is incredibly important because it really enables you to understand you know where the pains are um, that someone's going through and then doing um, you know, ride-alongs potentially with that mm. that nurse practitioner. I'm only using a nurse by example because it's part of our business. But if you're, you know, if you're from Starbucks, it would be, you know, uh, making sure at Intuit we we called it follow follow me home. Um, <laughs> so would actually go <laughs> go and follow customers home. So follow your customer around. You know, understand you know what pains they're going through personally. That's it's super important to uh, to actually do that. Another um, thing that we leverage highly is the jobs to be done and uh, incredibly powerful uh, framework by Clayton Christensen. It's, mm. you know, why, why, are, why are you being hired as a company or why is your product being hired? Um, and uh, again, a powerful kind of metaphorical way to, to understand, you know, the actual consumer need um, and, and why they're, they're leveraging your product. And then another kind of methodology that we leverage highly is the Google Sprint methodology, mm. which has a ton of tools and techniques. So once you've, once you've built the, the journey map, you understand the pains, how do you then uh, visually articulate um, what potential solutions could be? So storyboarding is another powerful tool to um, create a new journey uh, for your, your customer and what that may look like. And that helps people articulate the, the new journey of, and it could be, you know, how do we help a nurse practitioner in the morning before they leave mm -hmm. the home to do an assessment in the field? And then what does their, you know, night look like when they come back? So it could be anything from, you know, physical products to digital or physical solutions to uh, digital solutions to, you know, engagement solutions. So it really inspires, you know, creativity and in, in thinking um, and then, you know, I'm a big fan of, of rapid prototyping as well. And what I mean by rapid is, you know, do, a, do, a, do something in PowerPoint and test it with people immediately. And that creates that speed and acceleration. And then as you hone into what the potential solutions could be, you know, rapid prototyping, um, you know, those solutions and getting those in front of people for that, for that feedback. So the, those are just some of the tools and techniques that... Uh, that I, you know, use on a weekly basis. So nice, nice. Uh, let's talk about now the people part of this of this equation. So, uh, how do you really um, 
how do you basically move a product teams into into design thinking folks like what are some of some of the practices that are out there today to to transform the existing product mind like legacy product mindset to design thinking mindset so what are some of the best practices out there yeah you- so i mean to to some degree and you can see behind me here mm-hmm. um sticky's become a collateral um and everyone loves to to ideate so, you know, once you leverage some of the tools that I spoke of earlier, you know, persona, gaining empathy uh, for whom you serve is, is powerful. Um, you know, if you think about a, um, there's a, a great uh, video out there around MRI machines mm. and design thinking. And uh, it's a former um, GE uh, employee whose, whose job was to create an MRI machine. And it was intimidating to, uh, to children um, that actually have to give a child a, a shot to sedate them a little bit so mm. they were comfortable going in the MRI machine. And then through design thinking, uh, they actually created a it, – it's a beautiful scene. It's almost as if the child is going into a boat mm. um, wow. and you know, creating this environment of uh, – they actually had them skipping rocks to get into the boat. And then as the MRI machine spun, they put fish um, and they had fish jumping over the the child. So it's an incredibly powerful um, video, but it's the power of design thinking. Hmm. And then if you're a classic product person, um, there's nothing more powerful than whom you're solving for. So Hmm. imagine, you know, this person who built the MRI machine now seeing children and talking to their parents and saying, hey, can we come back tomorrow? Mm. So not only does it have an impact on the child, it has a business impact too because they no longer have to be sedated. Um, so it's kind of a, a win-win for everyone. And you know, I think that's how we're all motivated as humans. We're solving human problems. And when it comes down to it, that's the fundamental of uh, design thinking is you're solving human problems and people get motivated by that. So after every fusion session we have, people will say to us, that was the most amazing thing I've been through because we reconnect back to humans. Interesting. Interesting. So let's talk about, um, uh, so one thing that we have heard with, even with IDEO lab and any of any of the design thinking concepts that, um, so they, they, they basically transform, um, they create a lab or you, you have a fusion accelerator. So, is this is that the best way to to sort of execute design thinking in a, in your corporation of just take have kind of a lab environment and create that jungle gym atmosphere there and then invite people and sort of and they'll so what what's your what's your thought on that? Yeah, I, I think um, there, there's different ways to to think about it and approach it. Uh, so you know if you don't have the capability uh, you know in house today, IDEO continuum frog are great companies to go leverage and it it may be that you partner with companies like that to actually um, imbibe and instill design thinking methodologies to get your your teams exposed to that and you know as you mature uh, it could be that you're building a lab and we work uh, one of the big things we do is collaborate uh, across with companies like frog and ideo and continuum they're they're good friends of ours, so we continually uh, collaborate with them, so, and we've built that that relationship. But, but there's companies like Fidelity that have, you know, have a lab. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you mature, as you have a more fundamental understanding, then you can create a lab, um, you know, inside, and then you're spreading, you know, design thinking methodologies, um, you know, inside your company on a more, you know, frequent frequent basis. And I'd say, you know, if you're a startup. Uh, just start to leverage some some of those tools and and thinking, because um, it'll it'll you know increase your likelihood of of success. Interesting. So if I'm a startup, very very early in my inception, and and, and definitely um, I I have a lot more agility to to build the culture. It's not imbibed yet, and I'm just trying to figure out where to go. What are like one to three steps you could suggest uh, for a startup to get in the, get in the direction of design thinking? Uh, what are some of the things that you could recommend? Definitely. So I, I mean, I think the the ten types of innovation is a great um, methodology. Uh, also, there's a, a book out there, uh, a 101 design uh, methodologies. That's a, a great resource. 
and then the the jobs to be done is another great methodology and and resource so um you know i think the leveraging you know 101 designs is uh, will give you different tools and, and techniques um you know continuum ideo uh actually ideo is another great resource that if you want to kind of instill um you know design thinking i, I think they even have a uh a design a design thinking playbook that you can leverage so you know elements like that uh, get closer to your one of the things I've seen in startups is people don't actually go and talk to their potential customers or the market they're looking at absolutely do that and that's that's one of the methodologies that I see overlooked um, is is get that feedback as fast as possible interesting and now uh, flipping the coin for 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 a bigger corporate enterprise with again as very thicker culture and and uh, optum is lucky to have you to sort of you you come with already come with the equipped with that mindset and sort of you know you have pulled your weight uh, through the startups to make that execute those things but for companies who are who don't have design thinking executives or who don't have sort of that mindset in, in place what are some of the steps they could do, they could take uh, in 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 the direction of design so to get themselves in the direction of design thinking definitely so i'd i'd say um it's uh if you're a corporate executive i think some of the things are um you know as i mentioned the the 10 types of of innovation because that actually starts at the strategy level mm -hmm. um but really inspires you to think not only about the product or platform that you currently may have but what experiences do you have? And that starts the, the tip of the iceberg for, you know, that level of design thinking is, you know, really breaking down uh, who are we solving, um, you know, for in the marketplace, um, really understanding, you know, their needs. Another, you know, the jobs to be done is a powerful metaphor is why do people hire our product? And it's a, a different kind of shift in, in mindset the classic example there is uh, Clayton Christensen, um, you know, in a, a fast food industry, uh, looking to um, identify which breakfast sandwich would be, um, you know, most popular. Um, he went in and observed consumers actually buying milkshakes, and really wanted to understand that. And he said, you know, why did you purchase this milkshake? And some of the consumers' examples were, I have a 45-minute commute if I had a breakfast sandwich, it would spill all over me in my, my SUV. And if I have kids in the back, I can just hand them the, the milkshake and they're quiet for the whole ride. So it starts to identify exactly why people are hiring your product um, and those attributes. And that really gets down to, you know, a level of design thinking of what are we solving for? What pains are here? And then what approach should we actually take? So that's the beginning of, you know, if you're an executive, just start to leverage different different models that uh, inspire you to understand more about your your consumer and and how to you know resolve some of their real pains interesting and and how do you now let's talk about collaboration of it like how do you because um, when when I hear the word design thinking so to me it, it again it, it comes it clicks the ring of hey, it's very entrepreneurial and you have to go out and do your stuff and get your information right how do you get to sort of collaborate uh, when you're in that like if you can shed some light on um, how how to how you can get team to work collaboratively on this idea of design thinking yeah i think the the inspiration that i've always seen is uh, you either have a um, a massive problem <laughs> so mm. we have to solve this thing and that really gets inspires people to to get together or you know you have a big opportunity and you know that's really if it's uh if it's somewhere you know in the middle it's not a priority it's not important there's no big opportunity it's harder to get people to collaborate just kind of from a general perspective so i mean i think i think collaboration people love to solve problems they love to get together and it's finding that moment in time um to get people together and and creating that that inspiration and uh you know, we've done that in different ways. So leveraging, you know, frameworks that that we've talked about uh, so far, but also having tools and techniques. And this is going to sound rather simple, but we've found it rather powerful. Is how do you um, collaborate and, and inspire people? Um, and we use tools like Yes and. 
Um, mm. And I'll give you an example of that. A great example is, um, you know, Elon Musk in saying, you know, let's create a e-commerce platform called PayPal. Yes, and let's sell that company and create SpaceX. Yes, and let's create a electric car company called Tesla. So you can see the power of, of yes anding. And, mm. you know, we create that energy, you know, all the time in infusion sessions. Another one is a classic example, and this is in Google Sprint specifically, how might we? You know, how might we come up with a, uh, you know, an electric car? How might we, um, you know, create a uh, power source system in someone's home that not only charges the car, but we have solar panels that, you know, will become part of the charging um, station and, you know, power uh, reservoir. So you can see the power of, you know, how might we. So it's creating that, that inspiration, you know, focusing on that, that massive opportunity or, or massive problem and collaborating as a team for outcomes. Interesting. So one thing that I that I love about um, uh, about what you said about design thinking is having that empathetic uh, outlook towards the product design. So let's let's talk about human centered uh, design, right? So how how to get started in that? Like, uh, like say if typically in, in 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 a legacy product product design phase, you just you look totally different direction. Okay, what my product can do now? What can I add to that so it can make life easier? But now we're talking about now. Go, let's let's go to the go to the customer or, or, or the consumer end, and try to like how how we can do that. Like, what are some of the some of the thoughts there to create a human-centered design uh, thinking? Definitely, yeah. So, I mean, I think you nailed it when you said you know human human and human-centered. <laughs> um, I think so many folks in you know product and I've, I've been there too. I was in in product strategy, but um, you can do market research, you can do, you know, product strategy, but if you're not getting with whom you serve, if you're not getting with that human, um, you're going to actually, you know, miss something. So it's, uh, you know, part of it is uh, getting, uh, I call it whom you serve together. Um, so it could be in, in our case, it's, it's getting, you know, nurses together uh, in understanding through questions, you know, where their, where their pains are, but it's uh, follow me home is another powerful technique to you know follow your consumer um, home, understand what their their journey is, understand what their their life is like, and uh, you know everything down to uh, be, become a you know um, an archaeologist, become a scientist, become a you know experimenter, and think of think of yourself that way. Um, and if you're a, a product person. Make sure you go follow your consumer home, but become that, you know, deep note taker, understand exactly, you know, what's going on in their lives, what influences they have, what are their biggest pains, what are their challenges, um, you know, what is their journey? Um, so to your point, understanding from a, a human perspective, from that one-on-one -on -one perspective, uh, you know, what's going on in their life, um, it could be holding you know, uh, panels as well and, and getting folks together, hearing what they're discussing, how they're discussing it, you know, asking specific questions, but be that, be that experimenter, uh, and get out there and, and see what things are like in, in your customer's environment. Interesting. And, um, beautiful actually. I, I, I love it. And, and so let's, let's talk about, uh, individual, uh, in, 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 in the silo. So what are some of the tenets of, a successful design thinking executive like what are some of some of the ingredients um, so they say okay if i if i need to find one guy or the first guy to run the ship what are some of the some of the qualities that that one should look for yeah i think having you know high high empathy caring about uh whom you serve um bring you know looking at the different tools and techniques and, and capabilities um, having cross industry experience, um, you know, having having passion, um, you know, when we when we actually um, hire people for for fusion, we bring them through a pretty um, arduous uh, interview. But it's you know things like we give them a market research project to do. We actually hand them ethnographic research that we've done and ask them mm. to synthesize that. Um, and that's a key aspect of, um, 
you know, uh, design thinking is are you able to take, um, you know, kind of disparate information uh, that's not, you know, not that coherent and, and synthesize that to, to understand that deeply and to draw kind of, uh, kind of hold off your solutioning in a way and really think about what the potential opportunities are. And then what we have folks do is um, we have them get up and uh, do a journey map um, mm. with, with our team uh, present in the room and we're testing for a bunch of different things. Can they, um, you know, uh, kind of walk us through a, a journey? How do they interact with our team? You know, are they a great kind of, uh, can they listen? Um, so these are some of the things that we're, we're testing for. And, you know, do they take a persona in, in account? Do they, do they mm. focus on the person and who they're solving for? And, uh, you know, those are some of both uh, the soft skills and the hard skills that, that we look for. But I think, you know, above all, having empathy, being able to listen, you know, being able to, to really synthesize uh, information that's coming from a, a multitude of directions. You might have, you know, hard data here. You may have soft kind of, uh, you know, uh, ethnographic research here. How do you pull all of that information together and not only synthesize it, how do you integrate that? And then how do you how do you focus on solutions that will actually come back and solve a, a pain for you know a, a group of folks that that you're looking to solve for? That is beautiful. Um, so uh, well said. So now let's talk about uh, how do you measure success of your initiative? Like what are some of the KPIs? So if, if you are if you are sort of designing this and even for your future, if you can share uh, some of some of the key KPIs that you say, okay whatever I'm doing is a success. So what are some of some of those indicators that you monitor? Sure, definitely. If it's, you know, it might be, might be different things. You can start with, um, you know, net promoter score um, is, a, is a measurable. We actually do uh, usability scores as well um, that say, you know, how, how usable uh, is this? And it could be a, a physical product or it could be a, a digital product. Um, one of the things we measure is um, speed to market. So outside industry, you know, waterfall development uh, can range anywhere from 12 to 18 months um, with, you know, we look at uh, being within an, uh, traditional agile outside measures are uh, getting a product to market six to eight months. So we definitely take into account have, you know, have we accelerated an initiative, you know, to market. And then one of the things we measure, and it's, it's interesting because I ask uh, outside folks this all the time, how many of the uh, initiatives have you been a part of that actually got to market? So what percentage of your engagements uh, are you driving a solution to market? So that's a huge important factor for us. And then classically, uh, some of the, the traditional product uh, areas that we look at are what's the level of adoption? Um, what's the level of, of use uh, and what impact, you know, have we had? So if it's, you know, um, nurse practitioners that we created a, a product for in the field, what are the, you know, uh, impacts in terms of, you know, business drivers? You know, it might be, you know, is it more site visits? Uh, was the, you know, NPS score from, you know, patients higher? Was the NPS score from nurse practitioners higher? And, uh, you know, we will go back and actually do uh, follow me homes again to make sure that we've improved, you know, their overall experience as well. So from a, you know, human-centered design perspective, did we have the impact that we wanted to? Interesting. That's awesome. That's awesome. So one thing when you were saying that, um, uh, that was coming to my mind, and, and it's it's kind of a pushback from, from what I'm thinking about design thinking. So if... I think um, I think Ford once said that if you ask people what they want, they probably want a faster horse, right? So, what about some of the disrupt disruptive technologies or the disruptive trends that are out there? So, I think one thing that and and this this is something that even I struggle with with most of most of our clients as well that hey if if we use too much data, so it tells us the incremental uh, innovations, right? It tells us okay, customer wants this, customer wants that. But if any disruption comes in, in, into the marketplace, we are uh, it makes us vulnerable to recruit those because we became very data centered and, and we tend to be sort of even take disruption 
from from the very analytical um, uh, sort of progressive end so what is what is your thinking on on sort of on that that how is um, the concept which are very which is very analytical by the way and which is very beautiful to understand uh, to have an empathy about about a customer could have a tendency to miss out on any disruption or something like do you think that's true or what's your what's your take yeah i think uh any disruption I, I love your analogy about you know if i ask my customer that, that asked for a faster horse yeah. i think that's exactly what uh human-centered design and, and design thinking solves for is not having a preconceived notion uh, nor asking you know what do you think of this product what do you think of this feature um because you sometimes will get in trouble listening to customers that directly because you're asking a question that has a preconceived uh, notion to it. Mm. Do you like this? Yes or no? And with with human-centered design and design thinking, you're actually going to the root cause of what are your daily, you know, what's your daily activity, what's your daily journey, what are your what are your pains? So to your point, there's if you have a you know a lot of data, there's a level of abstraction to that data data. But if you go to kind of the the fundamentals of human-centered design while your data points may be smaller, your ability to synthesize actual human pains is very, very high. And if you take the kind of convergence of those two, so if you have, you know, vast data perhaps on, you know, consumer um, activities, it might be that you have data coming back from their, their phone and you actually know their journey, you can layer that on with human-centered design and through ethnographic, ethnographic research, you can actually come to a convergence point to say, wow, we have, a da- we have data from a million people. This is actually the patterns we're seeing. Here's what we learned from our ethnographic research, and here's the discovery. And I think that's the real power be- behind human-centered design and design thinking is, is that discovery, being that, you know, that scientist, being that experimenter, considering all of the factors and then finding those aha moments of either convergence or divergence things that don't make sense that you could potentially solve for that's that's really the the kind of fun and, and energy that uh, that that it can bring interesting so i think so it it, it makes me um, it reminds me of a story uh, that that i read a uh, couple of months back about about coca-cola so i think at one point coca-cola was trying to bring up with a uh, a, a next secret sauce to their uh, their next version of Coke, and they were trying to figure out how we can change the sugar level to 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 figure out who likes what. And and then they realized that they were thinking at looking at this problem the wrong way because people tend to love like so everyone love a particular vertical particular set of sugar. So it's just that it's just that the the product itself will align itself to its its own audience rather than the other way that hey let me ask everyone and find a magical uh, sugar portion that is acceptable to to our audience so um one thing that and and, and coke i know they, they do a lot of uh, research on sort of uh, figuring out their their customer behavior so what are some to you what are some of some of some of your uh, businesses that you love who are doing great job at uh, at design thinking concept or actually building a product which are which is actually keeping humans at the center of of of, of their design if you, if you can share some some of the stories there yeah, I think, you know, some of the companies that, that come to mind are, are clearly, you know, Amazon. Mm. And, you know, if you think about some of the initiatives that they've had lately, I think my Alexa is going to turn on now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that coupled with, you know, I, I was thinking with, uh, with Amazon that they probably went something went through something like the 10 types of innovation because the only mm. thing that they don't own in the home was the fridge, right? Everything that you order mm. uh, from Amazon, it was everything but the, you know, w- what's in your fridge. And then buying Whole Foods um, actually mm. solves that. Now they have everything in the home, a lot of stuff outside of the home as well. But when you think about, you know, the, the simplicity, you know, the, the iPhone itself, for me, I, I used to order, you know, Amazon quite often. They've broken that barrier because I had to log into my phone. I had to put in my my password. I had to go on Amazon. You know, that's a lot of steps. So all of a sudden, you know, Alexa comes about, 
and uh, is able, I'm able to do break through those barriers. So simple tasks like that, while to your point about a faster horse, I wouldn't have told Amazon that. Mm. But if they do ethnographic research on me and see me go on my phone and wow, there's five barriers before he can order, you know, something on his phone. And, and not only that, he can't order food. Wow. Let's buy Whole Foods. Let's come up with Alexa. I mean, that's the, you know, simplicity of it all. Right. But uh, if you think about human centered design, beginning with that, that's the power in it. So, you know, Amazon clearly, you know, knocking it out of the, out of the park there. Interesting. And um, so, one more conversation that that I can recall, uh, which, which is very exciting. So I, I I think about six six seven years back, I I I went to a a conference at a, te- a telecom conference and I met BlackBerry executive there and I was I was talking to him about how BlackBerry is uh, how it's sort of going down and and I used to be a a, a hard nut fan of BlackBerry and I was saying hey guys you're doing you're not you're not getting it right or something right and and they say you know what uh, till last day we are like our executives got um, like we we were hitting all of our targets we uh, our our customers are in like in check we we have been and blackberry was very methodical in sort of capturing user feedback and putting it into design thinking and sort of and making everything two click away and they were like aesthetic on aesthetics they were just they were just killing it uh, fair and square but the entire market landscape shifted Right. So, so, and they missed out, missed out on that because they were very on the button and sort of pressing and there were like some of the things they were, they were trying to tap onto. And that's, that's, that made me believe what happens uh, if the market changes, right? So if suppose um, that's why maybe my customers who are, who are my customers now, there's something else brewing on the side that probably one day will take all of them away, away at once, but they're happy with me for now. So how would, um, a concept of design thinking or how could sort of a, a concept of human centered design help me secure uh, myself from those instances like do do we do we have some kind of serendipity like do we um, do we sort of survey non users as well like what are some of the some of the hacks um, that we can do to sort of uh, safeguard ourselves from the blackberry phenomena definitely yeah and this is really part of uh the experimenter, right? You need to be a, a market um, experimenter, and and part of it might be, you know, what are the what are the different trends? And it doesn't even have to be in your industry, mm-hmm. but it's it's trend watching to see, you know, what what trends are occurring. It's you know classic um, market research. You know, what are our competitors doing? You know, what are some adjacent markets, perhaps? Um, that have interesting things going on that could converge, you know, with with what we're doing. You know, what are the mega trends out there? And one of the frameworks that I I leverage highly is called Real Win Worth It. And it's um, you know, as you start to find different opportunities within your market space, it says you know, is it real? And that's really looking at the competition, the opportunity. You know, um, can we can we win? And that's really around what is your core competency um, and what are some adjacent adjacent competencies that you could actually leverage um, to, you know, for this opportunity. And then finally, is it worth it? This is the investment part of things where, you know, we need to invest X amount of dollars, but, you know, can we win? Is the opportunity real? And then, you know, is it worth it? But kind of looking at different, you know, industries as, a, as an experimenter um, and coming up with potential new opportunities. And then, you know, where it starts to mesh, this is all part of human-centered design or design thinking, mm-hmm. but then going to, to talk to people about it in the market space to validate or invalidate or adjust, um, you know, that uh, could work for startups or, or enterprises as well. Interesting. And, and thank you so much for shedding light on that. And um, now we are almost at the tail end of the, of the conversation, and and you have been phenomenal. So let's talk about um, your favorite read um, that you want to share with our audience. Of uh, yeah, definitely. So for for me, and I, I've talked about it just a moment, you know, a few moments ago. But the the ten types of innovation is just tremendous, and you know, it, it really kind of gave me a, a structured way of thinking about you know innovation. Uh, 101, 101 designs is a is a great 
um, read as well. And then, you know, personally, I, I uh, love Tim Ferriss and I look for mm -hmm. personal um, kind of frameworks and, and structures to go back, go by because I'm an experimenter as well. So, you know, Tools of Titan is a, a personal favorite uh, of mine. I'm always flipping through it to see what hacks, you know, personally I can, uh, you know, try, experiment with next. So, Thank you so much. And and with that, Ed, um, again, super like my my entire notes. I like I've never filled filled in my all of my notes. So definitely, it's it's boatload. And and love love every piece of information that you provide with us. And thank you for being very candid and sharing your thoughts with us. Now, before we part ways, love love your closing thoughts uh, for for our, our for our audience, if if you have one. Yeah, closing thoughts are you know never stop learning, uh, be an experimenter and, and just, you know, go hard and, and change the world. Couldn't have said any better. Thank you so much, Ed, and love, and you're all, all, always welcome to come to our show. Um, thank you so much and uh, have a, like, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it And I go into the booth feeling nervous Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on a certain